You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The socially distanced NFL Draft is finally here, and you can follow all the action at BetOnline.net. Wondering who will be the first, second, and third draft pick? Do you know if more offensive or defensive players will be taken in the first round? Have a hunch on how many trades will take place in the first round? Maybe you're into oddities like how many draftees' dogs will be shown during first-round coverage. Before the draft goes live, head over to BetOnline.net for the latest props, lines, and odds. Bring the draft home with BetOnline.net. It's time for the World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host, Neil Pickup, and it is on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, World Arm Wrestling League, show 25. It's something of a milestone, and 506 was a milestone event. Wow. What a tournament. What an end to a stunning season. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners, you tune in every week, you'll know that at the end of the last episode, I said, you know what, I could have gone on far longer with tonight's guest, Bishop and RVJ. Well, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I did. Ladies and gentlemen, we couldn't wrap it up there. And one more time for a little bit more. Tonight's guests are RVJ and the bammable Justin Bishop. Here's what else the lads have to say ahead of 506. Guys, we're still going, but by the magic of podcast, it seems like we're in an entirely new day, maybe even weeks away from last time. How are you still doing? (laughs) Doing well. Still doing good. Danny Tesh has had to wait, like, maybe at least a week before he heard how much... We could tell him that he wasn't the best of all time in any weight class ever. <laughs> Under you know, any school I, system. <laughs> what, what I hate about that is, um, I don't know if any of you guys ever met Danny, but he is the quietest, nicest guy. He gets all of this shit mainly because of Ryan. <laughs> Mate, let, let's pick up on that straight away. And this is, Dan- I mean, Danny won't be listening because he doesn't even do social media. But I'll tell you this. Yeah. I'm going to put my two penneth with him on this now as well. I actually think Danny Tesh is that freak. I think he is <clears throat> vigilant style individual. I just think he's an arm wrestling baby. I don't think right now he's even close to warmed up. I don't think he's been anywhere near around the block long enough. I don't think Australian arm wrestling's been in existence long enough for their top arm wrestlers to be anywhere near prime. And that's a fact. Yeah. Because iron sharpens iron. And whilst you can point to arm wrestlers who are of a relatively high level of talent over there, when you actually watch them perform, you can see that they're, they've got talent, but they're very unrefined. They're diamonds, but they're definitely not polished. And yeah, so I've been, I've been arm wrestling longer than that whole group's been together. Right. And, yeah. you know, I hadn't even hit 10 years yet. 
So. Yeah, but to sit there and fast forward someone 10 years, there's a lot of uh, impossibilities. There's what if he gets uh, married and pops out three kids and quits training? What if he picks up an injury that sets him back for forever? What if, what if? I mean, to fast forward, you could see there's possible potential, but we don't really know where people are going to go. I've seen so many people that have come into the sport, make a splash, then you're like, you'll go watch an old video and be like, hey, where is that guy? Like, things, shit happens. So Bob, you are that guy. Yeah. Right. Fuck yeah. You are that guy. <laughs> you are that guy that if you ever really got your act together, how many times have we been stood in a bar after a tournament where you've just leathered somebody? And I've been stood there and you were like semi cut, like half of your body yeah. is frigging vodka and beer. And I've been like, mate, if you ever get your ass in gear, people are in yeah. trouble. Yeah, when I pulled Brent Rackers, I told Brent Rackers the other day when he was busting my balls about I'm the guy for you. I'm like, motherfucker, you couldn't beat me when I was on like uh, pain pills and two bottles of wine. So what the fuck makes you think you're going to do it now? Yeah, security were tranking you in between matches. Yeah. (laughs) But joking aside, you are that guy. You're the bloke that has always been massively talented. And that's my next question to you, mate, before we pick up on another arm wrestler. Address that one for me. People have said to me so many times, oh, Rob Bidget Jr., yeah, he's a good arm wrestler. He's got all this talent, all the talent in the world. But he's got no commitment. He doesn't really train that hard. He doesn't really study technique. He doesn't do all these things, left, right, center. What's your response to that one? You know, I think it's there's there's some truth to that, and I don't think it was always because of laziness. I think that my life ran in different directions. Some of it I, I got fucked up based on my lifestyle. Um, you know, when I was training and young and eager, uh, you know, I was bouncing around a lot for work, for life. So I was always in different groups, different places. And, and I was a party animal. So back then I didn't dedicate myself a lot. Then I got a little bit settled down when I had my first child and I decided that I was going to try to pick up arm wrestling again. But the thing was, was I was eager to get back in the game. And that's when you called me to pull with uh, Marcio, mm-hmm. and I legitimately took that match off of a long layoff with no training, and mm-hmm. he's, a, he's probably the worst guy to pull because he's world-level power, world-level explosivity, and he'll hit you in different angles, and I ended up tearing my rotator cuff. So what ends up happening is now you're dedicated, now you're hungry, but you've got a different body, and now you're training yourself in ways that are protecting an injury, and it's not conducive to like growth long term you're just trying to survive right now you know i was pulling a lot of guys straight on a bicep straight with a hand no side pressure so evolutionary wise it was helping me win matches today but i wasn't progressing and then now you fast forward to and you know when you find yourself being weaker it is frustrating to train or you go to a tournament and you're you're losing the guys that you used to beat real easy for me it was frustrating and it gave me a lot of uh like insecurities and a lot of anxiety going to events. Cause I'm like, I used to be King Dick and I was on that trajectory and I kind of shot myself in the foot. And I, I started thinking like, did I miss my window? Am I ever going to get back there? And I mean, it's depressing to go to a gym and feel weak or go to a practice and feel vulnerable when you had no vulnerabilities. And only recently past couple of years, when I got my act together, uh, am I starting to see that I might have an opportunity to be the best I've been and come out of that rut. And now that I'm older and my kids are older and I can be a little more selfish with certain time frames. Um, so it wasn't a hundred percent laziness. It wasn't a hundred percent party. They all had a big part of it, but there were other facets that helped it along. You know, it helped 
me in that space. And Justin, looking at yourself, mate, obviously a lot of people believe that you are your 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 real calling from the sport should have been the lightweight division. And you look at the lightweight now, you look at who's in there, the guys that are banging away, Sam Harris, um, Tony Katowski, your old four, Johannes Amelins, Tom Holland, some new interesting talent and guys of that nature. Do you feel like your calling is still middleweight? Are you as excited about pulling the middleweight division and about pulling arm wrestlers in the middleweight division? as you are uh, the potential, the opportunity to drop back down to lightweight. And then just to build on that, you've spoken a lot about Craig Touye. Why Craig? And is that a guy you'd like to face next, regardless of the outcome with Rob? Uh, for sure. I mean, um, just hitting on the lightweight thing first. Um, I mean, I believe my true, at this moment, um, elite level is around 176 pounds which I would be cutting to, you know, so it's not like I'm probably the only guy walking into the lightweights without cutting weight. But to me, there's, it's more challenging and it's more freedom to pull in the middleweight. I don't have to worry about my weight. Um, I'm expected to lose most of the time. So it's not near the pressure as uh, me pulling lightweight because, you know, there for a long time at lightweight, there wasn't an American that could beat me. And, um, the only reason I wanted to go to lightweight was to get the, to beat the hammer holder and Tony. Cause there was the only two guys that had wins on me. And, um, I, I'm not happy with that, especially the way Sam beat me. Um, cause from about late 2015 till last year, really my right arm just wasn't what it was. And, um, somehow miraculously my left come back to hundred percent and it feels great. And has been since, but I mean, the middleweight, like I said, it's just more freedom. There's a lot less pressure for me to win. Um, I love being the underdog, you know, because like I said, there's no, there's no pressure. You're supposed to lose, right? So I like um, that, that, and that he, whole he, mindset. The, the middleweight division, do you feel like um, it's a natural reflection of how you would be going? And the interesting thing is that when the listeners are, are actually here in this show, you may be the hammer holder. Or Rob may be the hammer holder, we don't know. But what I would say is, when you go in there to that match with Rob at 5.06, because we're now sort of a few weeks out from that still, do you feel like you've got nothing to lose? I mean, you must go in there like light as a feather, pressure-wise. So much negativities, you know, online. People saying, oh, yeah, Justin can't win this. You must feel like, you know, what the hell about just going swinging? Yeah, I feed off of that shit, man. I love that shit. I love for people to doubt me. I mean, they've been doing it most of my life, even out of arm wrestling. So, you know, I have a very small circle, and most of those circles tell me exactly what I needed to hear, which is real shit. You know, like, oh, you probably can't beat him here, so you need to do this and this or train this. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't hang around with people who are going to sugarcoat it. Like, oh, you got it, buddy. You know, I like to hear the real shit. You know, mm -hmm. so I don't walk around with false confidence. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Now, definitely let's talk about Craig right too, yeah, mate. Tell me about Craig. I mean, obviously, you've called out Craig. And I, I know you've called out Craig. Oh, God. It's got to be, I think, six months ago was the first time I heard you say you really love that match. Why Craig? Well, for me, um, there's three guys in the South. There's me, Craig Tulier, and Chad Silvers, and everybody else. And um, right now, for me, um, I was the most dominant lightweight or 
76 guy and below in the south for you know quite a while and uh you know craig can make 76 but i don't know why he don't cut but he could be very dominant at that weight and probably has been but to me um for where i go you know in the tournaments i support around here everybody wants to see that match and i like to give the people what they want to see you know mm. for me that's part of it i like entertaining people and i like to overcome obstacles to which in my mind are going to be the hardest and obviously right now the hardest is rob but to me being a southern man that is the man right now and i'm trying to be the man you know so we actually had it lined up um in case i didn't get the hammer match but unfortunately he had to he had to work anyway so um luckily things panned out like they did and i get the pull for the hammer instead now that that aside win lose or draw in four or in uh, five or six, you uh, could easily uh, find yourself staring down uh, Craig Tuye. I mean, let's say, for example, you were to beat Rob. Who's who's that natural challenger? It's going to be one or two people, really, isn't it? Straight out of the box, it's going to be either Storm, based on the fact that Storm beat you last time out, or it's going to be Craig. You know, that's it because. I, I do think, going back to what we'd said earlier, that there's a sort of process of elimination where there's other guys that will face each other first. I see that tier of guys being Paul Lynn, Danny Tesh, Relentless Frodo Hoagland, Nicholas Nanastad, Michael Celiares, Ryan Bowen. Those are the, the, the you know those are the guys that I see pulling um, in that next tier down. I, I think that I prop above them is the guys I mentioned. I don't see right now, and this is just my opinion, I don't see any of those guys you'd name beat me. I feel like Craig would smoke all of those guys with exception, maybe Storm, and I feel like I can beat Craig. So, I mean, there's, you know, and we, we've yet to see, but um, we've actually had that match set up, I think, three times now, and it didn't happen. So yeah. that's another reason I'm so anxious to do it. Um, but, you know, and – it's different, like Rob was talking about a little bit with the the rules. It's it'd be much harder to beat him, in my opinion, with WAL rules and traditional rules. Mm -hmm. How do you see that that match going, Rob? I mean, you've you're a guy that's experienced uh, Craig a lot. You you know you've you've uh, most recently beaten him in the World Arm Wrestling League. Uh, you were the guy that put him onto the losers bracket. How do you think uh, that match goes, Justin and Craig? All right, so this is going back to when you say I have a little bit of analytical side. I honestly think that one of the areas I've tried to mentally look into and polish up is what Devin Larrick calls gamesmanship. Basically that uh, playing the game, getting what you can, you know, cheating the ref, how you go about getting your setup so you're taking as much as you can you know, and getting that match fired off, whether it's the strap or whatever, but taking as much as you can. And yep. I've been horrible at that where I want to go up there, put my elbow down and flatten my hand. And a guy like Craig uh, took Cry, everything cries, from cries, me. Cries. <laughs> so, yeah, Craig took everything from me. I mean, my hand was dumped. My, my palm was up. And, you know, he was able to start when he wanted, do what he wanted. I do believe that the gamesmanship side of the game, Justin's probably a lot better than me and wouldn't get taken as much advantage of. So then it would come down to uh, torque and, and angles. And 
I can't answer that question honestly um, until I pull Justin. Yeah. But based on what I've seen Craig do, even with guys like Storm from a negative position and other dudes uh, right now, I'd have to, especially the Craig that rolled in to pull me the heaviest and biggest he's been. Um, you know, he took Todd Hutchins to the red line at a smaller version. So I would, I would, until proven otherwise, I'd lean towards Craig. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, what, what I want to pick uh, up with yourself, Justin, we're going to go back to where we started a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. Who knows when it was, but in the distance past, we're going to go back to looking at arm wrestlers that we, we, we can, could consider matchups with yourself. And I want you to start one with you, Nicholas Nanastad. Um, yeah, he presents a whole nother uh, set of skills with his low hand top roll. And um, I've learned something, though. Uh, I've been training a guy that's got a much longer arm than me. He's not nearly as heavy. But I've, I've learned that it's very difficult to do the same move with a guy when he's got six inches on you in forearm length or hell, even two or three inches. Mm-hmm. So I figured out how to use the strap more, um, more as the way Todd does. To you know, to to my advantage. So he, he put out a um, a video a couple of weeks ago about how the strap is more of an advantage for the shorter arm guy. Yeah, and uh, you know, explaining how which made a lot of sense. But um, I've got several setups that nobody ever sees me use because normally I don't have to use them. But I pulled um, probably the best, in my opinion, the um, best low hander in North America, which is Anthony. Uh, and he snook and I think I pulled him twice and I walked right through him because I knew the setup to do mm-hmm. and I call it my Travis Bajan setup because it's pretty much the same way he moves uh, he sets up and it, it just shuts the low hand all the way down and I feel like Nicholas doesn't have a, a bicep strong enough to beat me mm-hmm. so I feel like if he tried to go right into my hand like I know he would that I'd turn him in but you know, we're talking about a guy that's what six four, six five. I mean, six six six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, one of the 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 biggest problems with Nicholas is that by the time you're usually when you're sort of put that high pulsing style and bumping hard across, the issue that you've got with Nanasad a lot of the time is that by the time you connect with where you want to be with that side pressure, you're only hitting his upright arm. And if he gets his no. angle right, that's where, I mean, that's how he managed to stand Todd Hutchins up in the left-hand final of the World Arm Wrestling League. You know, if he gets that angle right. I always think with Nicholas, he sort of runs the gauntlet. There's a two-inch gap that he has to make that move. It's like the charge of the light brigade. He puts himself in a terrible position for a really short period of time. And if he can get where he needs to be, he puts the choke on you like few others can. And that's why I actually love that match. I, I love that match between you and Nicholas because also, you've got such a great hand and such a great wrist, and he's got such an awkward nature. I, um, I actually pulled uh, a European with that style, too. Is, uh, Pascal Gillard had the same kind of style. and um, Not the leverage, yeah. though. Yeah, no, not the leverage, but definitely the same style. And I didn't... I didn't have trouble with him until I burned my wrist out a little bit. Then I you got to think that guy's that guy got a win on Alan Makiev last year. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. got a win on one of the baddest Europeans who smoked Todd Hutchins. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, no, no, yeah, 
I believe in Nicholas greatly. When Nicholas is is right, Nicholas is dangerous. You know, he's one of those guys that's upper upper echelon. Yeah. Really. Guys, we got to take a short break right there, but I want to say to you, don't go away. We will not be away long, and we're going to come straight back for more from the Bammable and RVJ. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Without further ado, let's get back to tonight's guest, RVJ and the Bama Bull. Paul Lynn. So many people saying, and it, I was listening to a podcast a uh, short time ago, and they, you know, Paul was on there. And one of the guys on the podcast was making the claim that he thought that Paul was the type of guy that can give you major matches. Interestingly, because he thought he had the arm strength to mix it up with you. And I wanted to see, get your take on that. Because I know you've got a great deal of respect for Paul, and I'm rightly so. Yeah, I think, I think first of all, people assess things. They assess things based on, again, their own experience or what they see them do to other people. They'll mm-hmm. see somebody who beats everyone in a hook, so they're like, oh, well, you'll go beat Rustam in a hook. They'll see somebody that top rolls everybody and say, oh, you'll top roll the shit out of me. And I know a lot of people make the comment about like, oh, if you bust his hand back, if you bust your hand back, I could say I've never had anybody bust my hand back. Even when I pull top super heavyweights like Travis, my hand has never been busted back. So when people make assessments, they're really making it based on what they see them do in their practice groups and regionally and whatnot. Now, when I knew it was going to be out of Paul Lynn and Justin, I had equal feelings about both guys as I saw different at least what I thought to be different threats at a different level from both guys. Mm -hmm. I think Justin's a little craftier, a little more dangerous in one area. I think Paul might have some horsepower in one area, but a little bit of inexperience and a little bit of vulnerability in another. Um, So I treated the match with him and Justin mentally the same. I just wanted to know who was pulling so I would know kind of how to game myself for that. As far as power and where I'm sitting right now, I don't, I don't honestly believe that there's anybody. And that's honestly, I just don't not, not, I, I would love uh, the opportunity to pull any of the guys that are considered elite from Europe and whatnot. I just, when they're, when people just make silly claims like bust his hand back, then you obviously don't know about what I've done. And they say, just peel his arm open and uh, he's vulnerable here. Well, that's like for the, the last four matches I had, everybody was like, go to straps. They walked storm. All these geniuses walked storm down the aisle of fucking death to take me to the straps every time. Even when it was plain, he couldn't do shit with me in the straps, but they didn't have an out because in their mind, they're drawing off a person that was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, let me hit on something different right here too. I think it's different from Storm, even though the match went like it did. I think I possess way more than one style, and Storm, to me, is a one-trick pony. He never changed anything from what I could see from the first time Rob beat him. But here's the problem with that. A little bit of that is uh, you dominating the uh, what happens when hand. the style you're losing in is still your best style, because if you go to another angle it's even more certain death because when you're there is a time when there's just domination that changing up, what was he going to do? Was he going to shoulder roll me? Was he going to hook me? Was he going to, 
you know, try to flat hand side pressure me. At that My point in time, is, I was know, too much human. Yeah, I was going to say, it, for me, as soon as you move, it doesn't work. And you felt like you pulled it off correctly. You know, two things happen. You either drain out mentally, like, shit, I'm screwed. You know, you may as well give up now and not even arm wrestle. Or you fucking try something different and lose that way. I did both. You know, I've done both. I pulled a guy five fucking times and lost five times in a row the same way. And come to find out, the next time I pulled him, I could have just went inside with him where I thought I couldn't win. You know, not to say that's what Storm could have done, but for me, looking at a guy to lose the same way three times is just, <clears throat> I yeah, say it's, it's all individually well. based, I guess. You know, it's 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 all individual. You, if somebody goes and pulls a guy like Denis Saiplekov, they're going to say, I got a top roll. If their top roll gets shut down, they're going to say, I got to be faster and better at top rolling. They're not going to really think, like, I'm going to chop this motherfucker in a hook unless they really believe, like, Dave Chafee or something, that they can do that. But that's – it becomes an individual basis. When somebody's got strengths everywhere – I mean, I'm just uh, when he's talking about here's one for you, Rob. Collins, an up and comer guy, but I treated him very much as an equal with different strengths than Justin. And for the cerebral side of it, I considered uh, to a small degree Justin was the bigger threat. And that's his, I have a ton of respect for Paul, but I think cerebral is what makes him the more dangerous guy. Yeah, and it's just interesting for what he just that. said, just for that fact that he can, you know, he sees the game for what it is. Well, Paul actually made that comment as a counter on the show. He said, look, you know, I don't think uh, that I'm ready right now. I think I need to sort of, it was kind of what we were talking about on the previous show where we spoke about uh, Ryan Bowen's eagerness to be right at the top of that ladder and to take uh, two rungs instead of one rung at a time. And I think Paul was far more measured in that approach. He had almost uh, less less of an aggressive hunger to climb that ladder quickly. He wanted to evolve more naturally. But here's the other thing that sort of naturally comes out of that. And I'm going to put this to Justin first on Rob's behalf. So I want Justin, you to, to answer me this one, and then we'll come to Rob. Because a lot of people have said, oh, yeah, Rob's, if you stick with the current roster uh, and Rob comes through this season... Where does he go? I mean, is he just going to be sort of go around the block again and let these guys keep on coming? Or is he a little bit bored and he does a, uh, a similar move to what we've seen from Todd Hutchins and he steps up a little bit? And here's a match that I love. And I want to hear what Justin thinks about this because you could be looking into a little bit of a crystal ball here, Rob. Because I like you and Krasimir. And I like it a lot. Uh, I so, do Justin. Like that match. <laughs> I was hoping you'd I say do. that. You know, I mean, and it depends on what crash mirror you're talking about. When I went to um, Moldova, he was super light. Um, well, I'm, I'm actually thinking a catchweight, mate. I'm going to be honest. I thought, I think, uh, you know, if you if there was a catchweight of maybe 210, 215, somewhere around there, because I know Crassie can make that. I, I just think that it's not a, you know, not a title match. He's not coming down a middleweight, nothing like that. But it's just, I think, a match that people would really enjoy. Oh, I would definitely, as a puller and a spectator, I, uh, I think that match is a great one. Um, just knowing what Krasmir has done, knowing the tools that uh, Rob brings to the table, inside and outside and physically, you know, his hand size and all, considering all of that, I mean, it'd definitely be a challenge for Krasmir to beat and definitely a feather in uh, Rob's cap. 
What about you, Rob? How do you feel about that match? Well, I think, for one, it's a great match for me in terms of where I sit right now. There's immense pressure that if I win, it's like big deal. Nobody claps. If I lose, everybody kind of wants to see it. Um, with a guy like Krasimir on the world stage, a lot of the opinion is that we're lesser than the top Europeans. We're ducking and hiding, that we're not of that caliber. Krasimir is a guy who, as far as I can recall, has won every major tournament and got wins on every guy that's considered a legend in that, in that realm of weight class. I mean, he's got wins on Todd Hutchings. He's got wins on Arsene Liliev. I believe he's got wins on all the good middleweight guys. Like even I've seen him beat Sasho and banged with Prudnik and Solo Zoloev. And anyone that's a big name, he's won all the big events. So he is a super legend on the world and European stage. So he's a guy that even if I can get in there and bang with and make sweat, you know, because the only two people he's pulled is Dave Chafee, who's uh, one of the top three arm wrestlers in the world probably. And when, um, when Crossy was weighing about 215. Right. Yeah. And a very heavy Marcio Barbosa. And I think that people discount Marcio because Marcio had some injuries and a rough season against some guys that stylistically were bad for him. But you get a guy with a comparable build. People forget that I watched Marcio Barbosa and David Letterman wax Travis Bajan and John Brzezink. Mm-hmm. You know, that dude, you know, when he's running hot, beats everybody. I mean, he, the guy who's in top eight right now, what's his name? Ongarbaev? Yep. I see Marcio at Zloty dead center of the table with that dude as well. Yeah. So that guy is super legit world level as well. But to say to pull a guy that's the same weight as Krazy, especially where they're seen like the we, we can't compete, I would love to do it just for the fact that I honestly believe I can pull it off. And I honestly believe it's a big middle finger to all the people who say you can't. For me. Other people so saying that the, I'm over here in America playing it safe. You're in the position pulling him that I'm in pulling you. A hundred percent. Yeah, a like hundred percent. That's, that's, Good that's point. the position yeah. I live for. You know? Yeah. I live. <laughs> Dude, I already know going in this, like it's a fuck fuck situation. If if I do anything but squash you, <laughs> I've I've kind of lost. Yeah, but it's sincerely like if I do anything but squash you, I've lost ground and you've gained ground. If you win one round, it's wow, that was closer than I thought. If you beat me, fuck it. I was an overrated hype champ. You know, if anything happens now, I know that there's people that believe in you and believe me, I'm one of them because I can't get in that mindset of I should win. I walk into every match horrified, horrified. But you are in that position like I'm seeking with, with Krazy. I mean, you so, can't. It's a beautiful place. It's, it's, I honestly think that I can do it. And I think it's great because he is a European that has an immense resume. And he is in the WAL. So putting it together as simple as uh, three heads getting together and going, do we say green light and or do we say, you know, let's dick around and ring around the rosy a little bit more? Mm, interesting opportunity. Very interesting opportunity ahead. <laughs> Lads, I want to uh, say a massive thank you for taking so much time out. We did it in one hit, two shows. And uh, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and for joining me. 
it has been emotional. Tremendous bit of feedback. We've got to do this again soon. I think you two go together well. It's, uh, and I also want to wish you both the very best of luck, lads. I'm going to be there, out there at uh, 506 with you. Uh, we'll have a good time and we'll have a drink afterwards. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Can't, can't thank you enough, lads. I appreciate it, brother. Always a pleasure. Yeah, take care. I'll catch you guys in a couple of weeks. Ladies and gents, unfortunately, we have come to the end of the episode. Once again, we're beaten by the clock. Really hope you enjoyed tonight's show. I want to say an enormous thanks to Rob Vigent Jr., to Justin, the Bama Bull Bishop. What a pair of guys. You have got to love those lads, and I like having them on this show so very much. Hopefully, we can get them on again soon. Ladies and gents, I want to say a big thank you to you all for tuning in, all for checking us out. Thank you for giving up your time, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. I hope you'll take the time, same time, next time. Right here on the World Arm Wrestling League this week with my fine, fat self, Neil Pickup. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.